Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. I was so excited to hear about this week's episode from Sydney, because she said this one's got video games in it. That's that's true. This On, was like a special present. It's not your birthday. No. It's not. It's almost Father's Day. Could um, this, this could this not, be your Father's Day present count. that does I don't not, have to? Does no account. Um, I was, I was excited because, you know, at work, they all call me the game master. I'm kind of a video game head. Is that what you, they call you all video game heads? Video game heads is what they call us. Right. And I'm the game master. You're the game master. Yeah. That's one of the nicknames I have because I love video games so much. And Mm -hmm. then Sydney told me it was World of Warcraft, which is not the worst possible thing. The worst possible thing would have been a game that I've never played in my entire life. Um, but by, wow. worst, by worst, you don't mean in quality. You mean like in terms of being relevant to your expertise. Right. You yes. could have done like 4X strategy games uh-huh. or fighting games or sports games. or There's a lot of games I don't know about. I'm sitting here for the Game Master. I've got some pretty large swaths of of uh, ignorance. Well, you focused for on FMV games. That's my so problem. Much, yeah. You know, that you've ignored all, all these other games. Uh, World of Warcraft is something I have played a lot. And uh, but not for a long time. I have what the eggheads call a kind of addictive uh, personality. So when I get into a game like World of Warcraft that has no linear end in the way that we all understand it, uh, it can be a little bit of a time suck for your boy hoops. Sure, sure. I ignore the old kids, the old ball and chain, and the kids Mm, in the bathroom. Yeah, and the eating. Things that aren't I, hot pockets. It makes you enjoy the bath. It makes you ignore the bathroom. I just, yeah, the way you used to have an wow. expression for that when you had to review a game really quickly without stopping because the embargo, you know, they do embargoes yes. for figure yeah. What well, We used to have an expression if you had to review a game really quickly, uh, you know what we call it? What? Poop sock in it. You'd have to poop sock through the game. The implication being that you would um, poop at a sock rather than stop Please, playing. It- you just keep playing and you'd poop sock your way through. Let's never Fallout discuss or, this again because then I, inevitably I'd have to ask you if you have, and I don't, I can't. It's a turn. Sydney, Sydney, I, Sydney, I plan Sydney, on staying Sydney, married to you forever. Sydney, I don't want to Sydney, know. I've never yelled at you on this program before. <laughs> poop sock is a term of art, and you couldn't possibly understand. Okay. Uh, well, this is the first time on Sawbones that I've ever been disgusted. Well, there so you go. it happened. There's that. No, uh, World you of might, Warcraft. You might be wondering why we would be talking about World of Warcraft on a medical history podcast. 
Well, it was brought to my attention by a wonderful listener who did not sign their email, or else I would thank you by name, that there was a time when World of Warcraft uh, helped medicine in a way, helped epidemiologists uh, through the through the investigation, the study of a virus that spread in the world. Now, I am not, I've never played World of Warcraft. I'm familiar with it in this, I know what it is. Um, you've told me some things about it. So, but I'm going to rely on you, Justin, for a lot of the context for these things when it comes to the game part. And then I'll talk about the medicine part. I have just to give, if you're a wow head, I just put head at the end of everything. A wowzer? If you're a wowzer, um, I made it through, uh, like wrath of the Lich King and cataclysm. Well, and that's about where I bailed. I didn't get to like Mr. Pandaria or Warlords of Draenor or uh, Knights of Azaban or Legion or All right. Battle for Azeroth. Which one of those do you think I made up? Don't. I don't. <laughs> it was the Knights one. I made that one up. All right. So this was in 2005 that this incident occurred. Yes. That... I was still, I was still, yes, I was still playing. I was still in. But you've not point. heard of this is no, what I you, what you told me. So in, on September 13th, 2005, uh, Blizzard, who makes, wow, yep. I guess, mm-hmm. uh, introduced a new raid called Zul Groob. Now what could you, what, is, what does that mean? A new raid? Is that a, um, is that a bad guy or is that like a so a, a level? A raid is um, uh, it's like a big team activity. A raid is something where you bring in a bunch of people and it can last for many hours. And usually you have to be part of a, a guild, which is a larger group of players uh, that that persistently work together. So, so the, it's like a task. No, a raid is like everything in World of Warcraft is tasks. It's like a raid is like a big um, encounter, like a big... Heist. A, mm, heist is better if instead of like sneakily doing stuff, mm-hmm. it was just like a huge battle that okay. you had to like... So it's like a battle. Multi-tiered battle, mini mm-hmm. bosses, like a big, like if you think of it, it, it would be a, a sort of like a level uh, a in level. a traditional game, except you have to bring a huge number of people in, and there's challenges all throughout. And there, it's supposed to be the things that people do repeatedly okay. at the end of the game to like get more new armor and weapons. All right, so the the end boss Hakar mm-hmm. could use something called corrupted blood. Okay, on players, and that was a a spell or something. Some sort of probably a spell attack, attack. Uh, AOE attack probably, which would drain. It would you would have like an initial damage that it would cause, and then it would slowly drain you of points over time. Right. Okay. So it's sort of like an infection. It was like a disease kind of thing, right? Right. So, and you could also pass it on to other characters. So okay. it was infectious. That's uncommon. In that's not a common uh, video game idea. Really. Yeah, well, that's, you don't, see, I didn't you don't know really see was... that, that that often because you in game design, especially with with a massively multiplayer online game, you want to give people as few chances to like grief each other as possible, mm. which is by you know what I mean by grief. You can probably I like, getcha. like mess up the gameplay experience. So giving the ability to like make other people sick is not particularly common in, in online games. So you could you could make other people sick, and this was really bad for I guess if your character is a lower level character, mm-hmm. uh, it could kill you in a few seconds. 
Woof. Um, if you're a higher level character, you probably could sustain the initial damage and maybe stay alive. It, eventually it would go away or you would die is the more common result for a lot of players because it, it did like between 250 and 300 points damage typically which I'm I, I guess is a lot so it all depends on what your level is pursuant to what we were talking about though that attack makes sense in a raid type encounter because everyone in there is supposed to be high level a lot of raids are even right. gated to like you can't and, get in unless you're high enough level. and this is I think this was the part of the idea is that this was supposed to be restricted to the raid mm-hmm it was not supposed to be something that can, that like was carried outside. Right. It was supposed to be just something so only higher level players would encounter it. Right. That was the idea. Now there was an error where apparently pets could also get this. Mm-hmm. And if you dismissed your pets, mm-hmm. which is something that you can do, so you can have a pet in the game and then you can like tell it to go away, I guess. Hey, you got that just from context clues. Um if you summoned it again, it the pet would still have the illness. Okay. Yes. Got it. So you dismiss your sick pet, and when it comes back, it's still sick. Right. Um, which is realistic, but I suppose bad for gameplay. Right. Also, NPCs could get it. Okay, that's interesting. Non-playable characters. Right. I knew what that was. Yes. Um, and they were not killed by it the way that your character may be, mm-hmm. but they still can spread it. Interesting. Okay, see, a lot of times in these games, um, okay, so World of Warcraft is interesting because there are two sides. There's Horde and Alliance, and the Horde can bust into, like, Alliance territories and Mm -hmm. mess people up. But as I understand it, at least when I was playing, um, there's a lot of NPCs that can't be killed because you don't want to break the game for people. Right. So there's be, like, there as a, 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 uh, what's the word for that? The, The Something where disease rests... A disease carrier. Yeah, they're, like an, a, they're a disease vector. They're an asymptomatic carrier. Yeah. yeah, they're a vector of the disease. They're, they're similar to what we've done an episode before on Typhoid Mary, mm-hmm. who was an asymptomatic carrier of the disease and could give people typhoid but did not suffer from the symptoms herself. So these, these NPCs could give you the disease. The pets could spread the disease. And then you could spread the disease to other players as well. Um, and... It should have again. It should have been limited by the fact that only high player character, high level characters could get into this raid, and so and you were only supposed to get it in the raid. But it three of the servers were affected by the kind of programming, I guess, errors or whatever that led to this. And so, what happened was this corrupted blood disease spread throughout the world of Warcraft. Of Warcraft, what what is the name of the world? What? The World of Warcraft. Is, it a, is there a name for it? Does it have like a fanciful name? New Jersey. Okay. Weirdly enough. Uh, and there were there were bodies laying in the streets, Ever. according to posters, thank you, uh, uh, during the time. People who were talking about it on forums and trying to figure out what to do described like bones littering the streets of the cities uh, because so many people were dying so quickly and it was spreading so far. Um. And my understanding is that while if you die in WoW, it's not a permanent death, but it is it is not advantageous. If you to die you. in WoW, you die in real life. That's <laughs> that's what's actually at stakes here. WoW is the Matrix. WoW is the Matrix. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Sydney, I haven't been making a lot of jokes this episode, and I just want to warn everybody. I'm going to continue to do this, not make jokes. Me talking to you about video games, and for the first time in my marriage, I think actually having you listen to what I'm saying and process it <laughs> is. Giving me an, an intense pleasure that I have not experienced before in my adult life. And I'm really trying to savor every moment of it. I don't, I've turned off the part of my brain that does jokes. I just want to 
talk to you about video games and have uh-huh. you listen to me with an open heart. And it is it is blowing my mind right well, now. Live it up, boyfriend. I cause... am living it up. <laughs> I am loving every second of it. Jo- no jokes, just pleasure. All right. So because of this, uh, your are the normal way that players would would en- engage with the game was obviously disrupted uh, right. because you know there were and, and I want to talk about the way everybody reacted to it there was a lot of panic mm-hmm. um, Blizzard tried to address it with like a voluntary quarantine oh, that's so within cool. the game um, but like Except that it would require... It was voluntary, and so... Then it's not going to happen. It's not in a million years. I mean, this is like... This is a world where people can't even have, like, an online... There was one once a... Uh, uh, I'm not going to remember all the specifics because it was, I mean, more than a decade ago, but some characters tried to have an online funeral because the player's... I remember this. ...person had, you like, died in this. real life. Yeah. And it was rated, but not rated in the sense that we think of. Like, right. not rated like we were just talking about, but, like... Attacked by the the horde, <laughs> came and ruined the funeral. I shouldn't laugh. It's well, and that's it was a terrible uh, thing. I'm laughing because that's online worlds. No one's going to do a voluntary quarantine. No one's going to do anything well, they don't want it's, to. Half the, the people are gold farming bots. <laughs> but what you're talking about is what's so interesting about this is that much like in real life, some people obeyed the quarantine. Some people said, "Yeah, whatever. I'm not. I don't. I'm not taking that seriously. I'm not going to do that." And then there were some people who were like, all right, panic. How can I use this to my advantage? Um, and uh, even as they tried to put different security measures in to, to stem the spread of the disease, the the pets thing, the idea mm-hmm. that you could summon a pet who would have the disease and you didn't necessarily know that or the people around them didn't, mm-hmm. um, kept spreading it. The, the animals really acted as vectors for the disease too. So... The problem was finally fixed by a what is I guess is called a hard reset. Mm-hmm. Yes, like the world was set back a week or something. Yeah, that, essentially. Yes, what happened was vanished. It's probably they reverted to online games get patched mm-hmm. as they go. Yeah, and what I'm guessing that is it like was that they reverted to the version of the game that existed before this. Mm-hmm. thing was added would be my would be my guess what they mean by hard reset there because they're not going to reset everybody's like players and characters and levels and everything yeah and they also they also um it ended by the way on october 8th and it also uh made pets unable to be affected and mm. that was a big key in in stopping it um now as a result of this there were major towns and cities that had been abandoned in the game People were like spreading out to the to the countryside. Um, there was a lot of debate after it. Like, was this intentional? Was this a stunt? Was this mm-hmm. to get a lot of press? Blizzard has always maintained it was an accident, and we're sorry, mm-hmm. and we just wanted to fix it, and that was it. This is just. They also maintain this is just a game because everything I'm going to talk about next, all the stuff, the real life stuff that has stemmed from it, uh, Blizzard. I don't think wants a part of, <laughs> yeah. as they will tell you over and over again, wow is a game. The stuff that happens is a game. We're just playing. It is not real life, and we in no way are trying to mimic real life. Right. Um, but this situation has now been used as a model for disease outbreaks by real-life actual scientists and doctors and epidemiologists who study the spread of disease. Hmm. Because what's interesting about studying the spread of disease is that there's a lot of stuff we can we can account for and predict using mathematical models. 
one of the things that's really difficult to predict with a mathematical model is human behavior. Because humans do what they weird do. things yeah. when when encountered with um or when encountered with some sort of challenge or struggle or or something frightening. Mm-hmm. And so what they saw in this outbreak online was a, a a good model for exactly how a diverse group of humans from all over the place, all different walks of life, might react to a situation like that. Hmm. Um, so, and and I mean, this would be the only way you could study something like this very well, because if you think about it, the alternative would be, well, let's give a bunch of people a disease and then write down what they do. Well, that's not you're not get funding for that. No, that's unethical. I don't think I don't think you're going to get IRB approval for that kind of study. Uh, so, and also like that's that's bad. Like that's just human bad, not just scientist bad. Like that's human bad. We don't do that. So epidemiologists and anti-terrorism experts, as we'll get into, have studied this wow corrupted blood incident, and there are p- published papers on this to try to predict the way an outbreak might occur in real life. And I want to talk about some of their ideas. Okay. But before we do that. No. Let's head to the billing department. Ah, let's go. The medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts. And that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed. But we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat, delicious meals right to your door. And not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real, high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is, is, is part of my plan. Um, but they got like fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From 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 a, a box? Pre-prepared? All I got in two minutes? I mean, filet mignon? That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, And the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McQuarrie fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McElroy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support 
and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Without capers. So, Justin. Yes, Cindy. A lot of the players in the game responded to the outbreak, to the epidemic, mm-hmm. in ways that I think it's fair to say humans respond to real-world outbreaks. Uh, some of these we know. They're documented ways people respond, and then others were interesting observations. So some characters tried to heal others. I guess some characters have healing abilities, mm-hmm. and so some would rush to the aid of infected players. Um, some who who were lower-level characters and maybe that would put them at great risk would, like, volunteer to direct people away from those areas, would, like, I guess stand somewhere where they could say, like, don't go there. It's, it's dangerous over there. You could die over there. Um, it's a fascinating thing because these are... The, the second half of MMORPG is RPG, and it's role-playing games. And I think that a lot of times when you see... Uh, unusual activities. And sometimes there's stuff that's in the game, sometimes they're not. Mm-hmm. Players will often um, play roles that aren't necessarily gameplay mandated, right? Mm-hmm. Like the heal, like characters healing, right? There's not really a big penalty for, for dying in, right. in WoW. Um, and I, I don't know. At this time there may be, I don't know. But it wasn't a big deal, at least it wasn't like EverQuest where your experience was going to get knocked out. Anyway. Um, it wasn't as big of a deal, uh, but the characters who could heal had a real world application for that healing that wasn't, we're fighting a dragon, let me heal you so we can kill the dragon, right? People really respond to that. Like, people really like, like, I, I, when te- in EverQuest, I remember people who could teleport, uh, druids and some other classes, would open up, like, transportation, like, taxi services, basically, where it's like, I will port you to this place. Mm-hmm. If you give me this amount of gold and and or platinum, probably platinum is expensive service, but like I, I will port you around and like people will, will respond really well to that. Players will like um, create their own gameplay when stuff like this happens. Well, that's what made this interesting to a lot of epidemiologists is that they saw some characters do what you would kind of predict in an outbreak is they would f- they would flee to somewhere that didn't have the infection, right? I'm going to get out of the city. I'm going to go where there's no sickness. Um, there were some characters who actually seemed to be attempting to spread the disease intentionally. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people reacted as if this was a real disease, like as if their life was actually at risk. Mm. Their character reacted in such an intense way that kind of transcended the idea of a game. Um, so because of all these correlations, there were some epidemiologists, uh, Rand Balliser, Eric Lofgren, and Nina Pfefferman, who between the three of them wrote a collection of, of different papers and studies all in the same year that advocated this as a model for uh, using virtual worlds to predict human behavior in actual outbreaks. So kind of using, not saying that we should do all of our research based on this one incident, but look how this how well this worked as a model. Mm-hmm. We should do this 
to model disease outbreaks so that we can better understand the right. way that people might react so we can better assist in these right. kinds of situations. So as an example, uh, Balliser published a paper and mentioned uh, the correlations between the corrupted blood uh, incident and avian flu and SARS. Mm-hmm. You can find correlations because the bird flu was spread by asymptomatic ducks, much like this was spread by pets. Um, in the case of uh, of the corrupted blood, it was a very similar it was a very similar kind of you could you could follow that model mm-hmm. where the ducks went and spread the disease and where the pets went and spread the disease. Um, in both cases, they tried to quarantine thing quarantine the thing and it it didn't work. Um, and they compared airplanes as a source of like spreading the disease globally in actual outbreaks, things like SARS and and avian flu to teleportation and world of Warcraft Mm. where they are both, they both demonstrate how we now have an ability in the real world to get from one place to another place. that's very far away and spread the disease there that we didn't used to have. Mm. Yeah, that's Um, true. Well, it seems like a cool, cool way of doing this because you, it's like the perfect balance between like people do care. Like you couldn't set this up as a, as an experiment almost, right? Because no. no one would ever care about like their squiggly line person. You know what I mean? Like without any stakes, no one would react in the way that they normally would. The only reason it worked is because, and they talk about this a lot as you get into, um, especially Pfefferman, uh, her papers, as you get into that, it, she talks about the connection that uh, people have with their characters in World of Warcraft and probably in a lot of other games too, but specifically in this world, like it's not, it's not just, it is just a game, but it's not just a game. Mm -hmm. And it is that investment that players have in their character that makes it a good model. If they didn't, you're exactly right. It wouldn't work because you would do things that you wouldn't do in real life. But uh, people t- tended to react in in ways that were more consistent with how you would react to a real outbreak. Mm-hmm. Um, so in in Pfefferman and Lofgren's papers, they kind of talk about uh, the things that math can't predict because even the animal spread, we could still do mathematical models for or, or airplane travel, that kind of thing. But when you look at irrational behavior, that's a whole other matter. Um, so uh, as a result of this, uh, Pfefferman has started... Um, using like simulations that are built on like in her epidemiological studies Mm -hmm. that are built on things she observed in this corrupted blood incident, making virtual pandemics. Um, She even was trying to get Blizzard to work with her to make games that would model this (laughs) as a great way for like us to study this. Uh, She spoke at the 2008 games for health conference and the 2011 uh, game developers conference about this. GDC um, in the biz. Yes. We call it. Uh, some Again, some of the things that she talks about specifically are players putting themselves at risk because they're trying to heal people um, and then getting infected, which is a great model for healthcare workers. Mm-hmm. Um, but also for in, in disease outbreaks, it's not just healthcare workers or people with some sort of medical background who might go to assist and then become exposed family members take care of each other or friends or community members, you know, who care for the sick and then become infected. And so you have that very, you know, clear correlation uh, Mm -hmm. between real life and and the game. Um, The other thing is that what they found in the game is that by extending the lives, by healing these players who are sick, by trying to help them, you were actually 
furthering the spread of the disease. Oh, wow. Because they're staying alive longer to keep spreading it. Oh, more, interesting. Which was a which was another thing that they had not accounted for or predicted before. Um as I mentioned, anti-terrorism experts became interested in this because there were some players who intentionally went and infected other players. Mm. And uh, they began um, thinking, like, could this be a good model for a biological weapon, for how you might spread a biological weapon, how someone might intentionally try to infect other people. Um, so Charles Blair, the deputy director of the Center of Terrorism and Intelligence Studies, um, was really interested in this and, and wanted to to analyze this as a way to to explore how a biological weapon might be spread. Mm-hmm. Um, they even this was such a problem that initially uh, infected players were asked to flag themselves to try to prevent the spread of the disease. Like if you're infected, just I don't know how you flag yourself mm. because there's probably a a thing that appears on the screen that shows. Yeah, maybe I don't know what to. Like but they, but some could, uninfected players started flagging themselves as infected to so that people wouldn't intentionally make them sick. I don't know how you would do that. Maybe like you do the clothing. There's like labels and stuff, but the labels I think are stuff that the Blizzard makes. I don't know. You well, they fl- may have made something. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, some uh some of the users would still have their infected characters go to work because I guess you work in World of Warcraft. Warcraft, I, you can in like the market. Um, you know what? They, it might have been in the in the bazaar. You could like set your character to like be in a, a centralized trading location. That's what they said in the market. You could work there, and they said this was a really interesting thing because in disease outbreaks, there is a there is a percentage of people who are going to go to work sick huh. and infect others as a result. Yeah, and this was something like that there still, yeah, that's and, and then you you add on to especially this is a big problem in the U.S., people who don't have sick days, who can't get off work just because they're ill, um, who are going to go to work and you know because they have no other choice. Mm-hmm. And so these are all things that they could model. They found that some uh, players were attempting to sell fake cures to uh, other players to take advantage I, of it and benefit off of it. Now you're in our real house, for sure. I thought that was perfect uh, for Sawbones, the idea that even in a virtual world, there are just some people who can't help but sell snake oil when they get the opportunity. Uh, And then there was the, the other observation that the epidemiologists made is what Pfefferman likes to call the stupid factor. I don't, I I hate that term. I don't like that term. I don't think, I think that this is a very normal, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I have, I have a lot of sympathy for this. This is a very normal human reaction. There were a lot of people who logged on to go check out the epidemic because they heard about it and they were interested to see what was happening. Mm-hmm. I guess it's what people would call. Um, I've heard like other people call looky lose okay. at like That's a accidents. Kinder. Yeah, yeah. people it's... who just want to kind of see what happened, and as a result, because of that curiosity they would get infected and then spread the disease as well. It's like a misunderstanding, though, of why people, like, if you heard about something like this happening, right, and you Mm -hmm. weren't currently playing World of Warcraft. You'd log on and check it out. log on and check it out. And mainly because people want to be, like, these are worlds with histories. And, like, Mm -hmm. you want to be someone who said, like, yeah, I was there for the corrupted blood epidemic, and, yeah, I got it, and it was wild, and you should have been there. Like, People like to be a part of big happenings in MMOs, for sure. And th- this also accounts for not just people who are curious, but it accounts for in real life, there are a lot of people who are going to go into disease outbreak sites uh, who 
put themselves at risk. Um, for example, journalists. Mm-hmm. Journalists often are reporting on these matters and mm-hmm. might be exposed. Um, that, that, that and that is not a that is not out of uh, you know unintelligence. That is their job. That exact thing that you described probably happened because I imagine mm-hmm. anybody, everybody was covering WoW back then pretty pretty closely. So like, yeah, there were probably sites like Joystick at the time or Kotaku or what have you that that sent in people. In an outbreak, uh, we'll send in teams of epidemiologists, people who research outbreaks to try to figure out the best way to control it. Those are people who are put at risk too. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in addition to obviously the healthcare workers who might be caring directly for people, there are people there studying the outbreak who are put at risk. And th- this was an interesting model for that as well. People who didn't necessarily have to be infected, but put themselves into a position where they could become infected. Um, the other thing that they noted was that there was not a lot of information or guidance given initially from the game developers. So uh, as they tried to figure out how to stop it, a lot of players were left to try to figure it out on their own. Mm. And the the kind of confusion and panic that resulted from no information coming from the authorities is a very uh, instructive tool for epidemiologists who will tell you that that is, that is a problem in real-world outbreaks if they're occurring and there is no information or guidance being given by government bodies or health organizations, that kind of thing. It's really crucial that you get on top of that and inform people because people who are uninformed and feel like they're, that something is happening and nobody knows about it are much more likely to, re- to react in mm-hmm. um, less than advantageous ways, you know, irrational sense. ways. Um, now, there are other researchers who took exception to all this and said, yeah, that's all really neat, and those are cool papers you wrote, and of course they're going to get published because it's about a video game outbreak, and you know, yeah. and journals are going to love that, and scientists yeah. are going to think it's really neat, but this is not real. This is a game. There was this uh, terrorism uh, expert, um, Stuart Gottlieb who at Yale, who said, uh, death in World of Warcraft is a nuisance at most. Which his point being that like, it's not like real death. <laughs> it's just it's just, you know. So right. why why would we even begin to think that you know real morality and real fear of death and all that would apply to a game? Um, but uh, again, other scientists, uh, Derry, Dr. Sherry Turkle of MIT says you know, but it's it's it becomes part of for some players it becomes part of their real life right. their their wow life and their real life are very closely entangled and so it's totally valid to use these kinds of you know virtual models to discuss how actual humans in real life you know might might respond it's hard because the answer is somewhere in between both of them right and this is the problem with like if you're not someone who is who is ingrained in this, like the truth is, is in the middle because the level of, and maybe the like the level of player investment is going to differ from person to person. Like some people get on these games just to grief people and just to be agents of chaos and just to like mess stuff up. Some people are very invested and want to do the best for like want to breathe life into their characters and like do things the way they would do them, etc. Which is probably a good model for humanity. Like we we are varied in that same way, I think. Exactly. But I, but I think since you can't account for that, you're not like it's I, it's hard to use it. I think as a one to one comparison for like how people would react in the day to day life. Because like there are probably some people, not everybody who likes griefing 
players would probably enjoy that in the real world. That's exactly and what, what vice the, versa, honestly. Right, and that and that's what the Gottlieb was making the point. Like, just because somebody might gleefully spread corrupted blood to other players in World of Warcraft does not mean that they are going to go out and cause a bioterrorism event. I mean, that's a that would be a wild extrapolation, and I agree with that completely. But I do think if you have something like human behavior that you can't easily map out with algorithms. Um, seeing these kinds of things play out can be very instructive because when outbreaks happen, people do do irrational things. And some of those things are irrational uh, behaviors that can be predicted that we could guess are mm-hmm. going to happen. And then sometimes we don't see them coming. Um, I don't think we would assume that in an outbreak there will be a group of people who would sell fake cures for the outbreak necessarily. But after I read that, I thought, Oh well, that would definitely happen. Oh, for sure. Yeah, 100%. of course that would happen. Of course, of course. And that would, and that, and, and if you think about what what is the result of that, other than that, it's it's horrible and it's immoral and it's dangerous and it's mean. Other than all that, if people think they're being cured, what are they? I mean, what do they do then? Do they yeah. tell other people? Do they avoid other cures? Do they get sicker? Do they spread it further? Do we, I mean, you know, there are all kinds of repercussions of these behaviors. And so I think it's a really interesting thing. Blizzard disagrees. They're just, again, they're like, it's a game. It's a game. It's a game. <laughs> now, uh, it's interesting. So, so don't, please tr- do not put all this science stuff on us. We're just trying to make a fun game for you. Um, but the ep- epidemiologists persist. They still are trying to work uh, through, you know, the CDC and various institutions to use these things a little more effectively, these virtual models as a way to, to chart epi- epidemics. And, and a lot of it stems from this wow, corrupted blood incident. There's a, There are other examples of this. Um, there's a game called EVE Online, which is absolutely gigantic, that has its own in-world economy. It's a spaceship game. Mm-hmm. Uh, has its own in-world economy where, like, players can amass real wealth that is, like, substantial actual wealth that does map to our money. Like, it, that can be, like, people people can sell stuff off and stuff like that. And there's been a lot of studies done on the economy of EVE Online because it is so gigantic and mm-hmm. deep that, like, that it goes through dips. Like, there are crashes and, and, and you know, stuff like that. Um, so it's it's an interesting, like, way of, of being able to study this stuff in, in a little bit of a vacuum, I think. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now I, can I tell you the side effect of this episode? What? You know what I want to go do right now? You want to play WoW? I want to play WoW, Sydney. Don't you miss it? I, I never played it. Remember when you would go to sleep and I would keep the laptop on and just play WoW? Remember how young yeah, I was back then? I didn't have kids. I said, wow. You do now. You're not playing WoW. I, I, just lo- I love dip. you. And I'm I, just going to dip in. No, you can't. I just want to dip in. No, it's the same reason we have to be careful about keeping boxes of cereal in the house, honey. Mm, just going to dip in real quick. Um, Thank you so much for, for listening <laughs> to this episode. And thank you, Sydney. For listening to me talk about video games with an intensity that is unmatched for the rest of our marriage. Um, <laughs> hopefully we can do it again real soon. <laughs> Thank you for the context so that I, I understood this uh, this interesting scientific episode. Thank you to the taxpayer. <laughs> you know, I should play What If It Happens Again or something like it. Don't you want your first-hand reporter, Justin Scoops McElroy, on the scene? I should be playing in case something else like this happens. If we hear about this happening, then I'll, I'll allow it. Okay. Uh, thanks to the taxpayers for the use of their song Medicines as the intro and outro of our program. Uh, thank you to the Maximum Fun Network that has had us as a part of their um, family for quite a while now. And uh, we, we uh, 
we are so happy to be here. Um, thank you to you. Hey, we have a book, Sawbones, the uh, book, they call it. Yeah, because it's a book. Yeah, because it's a book. It's on Amazon. You can get it on book. It, and there's also an audiobook version if you want Sydney and I to... You can get it on uh, book. It. That's how humans talk. Get it on Amazon. Uh, and there's an audiobook version if you want to buy CDs of Sydney and I reading our book. Uh, go for it. It's all there yeah. for you. Uh, folks, that is going to do it for us this week. So until next time, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. Org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.